Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. glad to be at church today. We're so glad that you're with us. If you are new to ACF, we are just thrilled that you are here with us this morning. Excited. It was hard to get out of bed today, wasn't it? It is that time of year in Alaska. I had a little frost on the grass today. And so, man, it's just winter's coming. Uh, it's going to be great. We just embrace it. That's what we do as Alaskans. We embrace winter. Can we also welcome everybody who's with us online as well? We're so glad that you're here today and part of our family. We know we have men and women who are deployed. We have a group of people who are watching in Prague right now, uh, part of our ACF family. And uh, maybe you've moved away. Uh, Whatever it is, whatever your situation is, we feel like you're still part of our family and are grateful that you're with us uh, as well. So we are in a series of talks called Traction. And last week we talked about getting traction in our faith. And hopefully what you were able to do is to, to be honest about your stage of discipleship. And that was the goal really last week is, is just as a baseline, can we look at ourselves honestly and just, just be real about the parts of our lives that have not progressed and moved forward like we maybe would hope they would. And because our faith can really be like that. Uh, many of us started going to church at one point. We prayed a, a prayer to follow Jesus at one point. Maybe you got a Bible from a family member and they wrote your name in it. And, and this was the beginning of a, of a journey with Jesus, the beginning of a conversation you uh, would be having with God. But for, for many of us, that was both the beginning and the end of the journey. For, for a lot of people, they go to church regularly. Maybe they have a, a couple Bibles in their house, even the, the Bible app on their phone. But really, there has been not a lot of progress in their faith. And so last week, we talked about getting moving. And, and my hope for all of you first would be that we saw we would see lost people found. We, we said that, right? That there is a celebration in heaven every time one person puts their faith in Jesus We also want to see found people grow, that you would be taking next steps in your faith, that you'd be learning and getting into an ACF group and getting around people who are farther along on the road than you are. But then beyond that, we want to see growing people trained up. We want to see you get the skills that you need to use the gifts that God has given you to progress the kingdom of God. And we want to see trained people mobilized. We want to be a church that's being sent out into our city, into the world to be agents of grace to those around us. And so that's our hope today. 
I just want to warn you a little bit, it's going to get heavy. And like any great uh, mountain that we climb, there's a descent first, right? We have to start at the bottom, and, and depending on where you're at, sometimes you have to do a, a bit of a descent before you can ascend. And so today in church, there's going to be a bit of a descent, but I promise you that there is a resolve and that there is a, there is a beautiful ending to all of what we talk about today. Um, but we want to be honest because many of us in this church, here's what I know, I talked to many of you, uh, many of you are dealing with grief. A lot of you are dealing with loss in one way or another in your life, and, and there are different seasons in, in churches where it seems like there's more or less. I just want you to know as a pastor, I feel like in our church, this is a bit of a season of grief. There are a lot of you dealing with difficult diagnosis and struggles with family and walking into a divorce or out of a divorce or a lost relationship or, or some sort of grief. And one thing that I think we all can, can say, if we're honest, is that we have all lost something. We've all dealt with grief in one area of life or another, and I think we all have probably at one point or another looked up at God and, and said these words, God, why do I deserve this? God, why do I deserve this? There can almost be an entitlement that we live by where we look to God and we say, God, you were, you're supposed to give me a better life, Right? I think many of us, we started following Jesus hoping, hoping that it would make things easier, hoping we would have less grief. And if there's one thing we all hold in common also, it's just that we all want less grief rather than more, right? I think most of us, the, the goal in life is to avoid pain, not to get more pain. And yet the reality of our existence is that pain is, is part of it. Pain is part of life that everybody in this room is either walking into, in the middle of, or walking out of a season of grief. Welcome to church, Right? You're like, yay, thanks for building me up today. And I just, I want to be real about this because I know many of you are there right now dealing with grief. If you have a Bible, open up to Psalm chapter uh, 88. That's where we're going to be today uh, in Psalm 88. And we're going to walk through this text. This is a Psalm I have never preached through. I've never, I've never actually gone through this. And you're going to see why in just a minute. Um, and as you're doing that, what I want you to do also is pull out your traction card on your seat. There's a little card that says traction on it. We're doing this throughout the series. We're having you identify what your next step is. There's something powerful about simply checking a box on this little card. There's something powerful about saying, it's more than just a decision I made in my mind. There is something that I've done to say, I am taking a step forward. And we have some things to celebrate because last week you guys, you guys did this. We have hundreds of these come in. And one of the commitments that, that we're going to put on each card every single week is going to be for you to commit to follow Jesus, to, to be a true disciple of Jesus. And do you know that last week, 59 of you chose to be disciples of Jesus? I mean, that's awesome. That is huge, right? So we are celebrating that. If that was you, that, that's a big decision to make. And we also had 18 of you say your next step is to be baptized. One of the new rhythms in our church is that every month we're going to offer baptism. So you can know this if maybe you were going to get in the tank last time and you just didn't have the courage to do it or you had some questions. Get your questions answered. And the first Wednesday, Sunday of every month is going to be baptism week. We, we start church on Wednesday at ACF. In case you want a, a little bit more room around you, come to church on Wednesday. It's the first service of the week for us. And so 18 of you said you want to get baptized. I want to encourage you, do it. Just do it. Get in the tank this next month. We'd love to baptize you. 87 of you said that your next step is to talk about faith or church with a friend or family member. 
And so how did it go this week? Did you do it, right? Or you're like, oh man, I forgot totally about the cards. That's okay. Maybe you can just send a, a text during church today, right? You can invite them to church next week. Give them, take a selfie and say, wish you were here, right? You can do that. But, but make the, the step to actually have these conversations. And then 270 of you said, your next step is to be intentional about growing in your faith. And so we're going to keep coming back to these things and asking the question, what did you do? Did you, did you uh, join an ACF group? Did you start asking some questions of, you know, what we believe as a church? Are you starting to do some reading or, or download some great podcasts? Are you doing something to utilize the time that you have to begin to, to make forward motion in your faith? And so at the end of the service, you don't have to do it right now, but at any point today, I want you to check the box that is your next step on your traction card. And we're going to receive these in the offering at the end of service. This is everybody in the room. It's an all play. And there's a spot for your name and your phone number. If you're just completely uncomfortable with that because you think that we're going to spam you, uh, you don't have to put that in there. Uh, But know this, we're not going to sign you up for a subscription to a magazine or something like that. We're just going to send you an encouraging text. We just want to give you uh, some resources to help you move forward. We want to be praying for you, tell you what we're praying for you, even give you a couple scriptures to consider as you're moving forward. And so we would love to be able to do that. But that's going to happen at the end of service today. So this is Psalm 88. And Psalm 88 is, it's one of only two Psalms that don't end with sort of this resolve. One thing you see in in many Psalms is that there's this honesty about grief and loss and frustration with God. They're beautiful because they they can help us to communicate with God. But there are only two Psalms that don't end with something like, but God, you're faithful and your love endures forever. And God, you're so good. And I know that you you will hold me up by your mighty right hand. There are only two Psalms that don't end in that that way. This is one of them. It's a challenging Psalm. Uh, story. It's a challenging song, but it's also really good for us because for many of you, this is where you're at. I mean, life doesn't always end tied up in a nice pretty bow, does it? Our days don't always end with, oh, but God, you're good. Sometimes our days end with us falling asleep in our own anger towards God. And so what I love about this psalm is that it acknowledges real life. Many people, what they say about Christians is, hey, you're so fake. You're so plastic. You don't get that life is hard. But if people believe that about Christianity, then they haven't actually read the Bible. Because the Bible is very honest about how broken this life is. And so as we read through it, you're going to see some honesty, some, some, some challenges to God. Like whoever is writing this, this man named, named Heman, is writing this to God, but he is upset with God. He's honest about his frustration. And here's what it says. This is Psalm 88. It says, Lord... You are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead like the slain who lie in the grave whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? 
Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me all day long. They have surrounded me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. So welcome to church, right? Some of you didn't come for that today, but this is life, isn't it? And I don't know what kind of loss or grief you find yourself in or have dealt with. I just sat down and wrote down a few things that I've heard about in our church uh, maybe for you, it, it's a divorce. It's a loss of that marriage that you hoped would be perfect. And the day you got married, you never thought it would end this way. And there's a grief that you're going through. Maybe it's the loss of any kind of relationship. For some of you, maybe you got dumped by a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you thought was the right one. And you're still carrying that from months and even years ago. It's still shaping how you feel about yourself and even maybe how you feel about God. For some of you, this is just, to be honest, moving to Alaska, right? Some of you are grieving the reality that, that, that you're not in some place warm for this winter, and, and winter is coming, and, and it's going to be a little darker and, and a little snowier than you're used to. This is not the South, right? And you're mourning that, that you're not with your family or with your friends from where you used to be, and this is not where you had hoped you'd be in the season of life. Um, some of you, it's just advancing in age. You know it, Right? That, that clock keeps ticking, and you know that, and there's a grief that you aren't as young as you used to be. You're walking through that grief. Maybe it's a lack of money. You thought you'd be doing a little better in the bank account at this point in life. And as you look at the balance, uh, it's something that you're grieving, that, that maybe you're not set up for retirement like you would have hoped you uh, would have been, or you're just dealing with the fact that you can't get the things that you had wanted to be able to get in this season of life financially. And so that's a grief, a lack of money, a loss of a job. Maybe that's looming over your head. Body image. Maybe that's a grief that you experience every time you look in the mirror. You don't like what you see. And so you wake up daily and grieve the reality of the body that you have. Miscarriages. Many of you uh, deal with miscarriages. That's a, a terrible loss that uh, many of you are going through loss of any loved one, whoever that may be. The lack of affection from parents. There's a grief in that. Whether you are a teenager and you're young right now and you're just, man, I wish my parents noticed me or affirmed me better, or you're an adult and you had a rough childhood and you look back and you see a lack of affection or, or some struggles that you went through as a child and you just thought, thought, man, it should have been better than that. I shouldn't have had to go through the things that I went through. And there's still this, this grief that you circle back around to. And as I said, our goal as people is to avoid grief, to get away from pain as much as possible. Uh, one of the, the books that I love the most in the Bible is the book of Job. And it's, it's not everybody's favorite book, and I get that. But Job goes through some terrible loss. And in so many ways, what that book shows us is that really Job's story is all of our story. This idea that, you know, naked I came to the world and naked I will leave, Right? That we all sort of show up with nothing and leave with nothing. And there's a certain loss that we experience in that. And yet God's faithfulness shines through 
in every way through the darkest of times, doesn't it? Even Jesus says this. He says in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may take or you may have peace, right? So I've told you what's kind of going to come for you as Christians. You might be hated for what you believe. You might be hated for following Jesus. You might go through struggle in this life. In fact, it's promised to you that you will. But I've told you these things so that in me, in Jesus, you would have peace. Nothing else will give you peace. Nothing else will give you sustaining peace in this life apart from Jesus. I promise you that. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. That's such good news. Take heart, Jesus says, I have victory over every pain and every loss. And one thing that we talk a lot about as a church, we talk about it being in Alaska as it is in heaven. And that's how Jesus taught us to pray, that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. And as we pray that, as that's our vision, it's also going to be the reality. It's a promise to us that one day God will wipe every tear from our eyes. One day every wrong will be made right and the world will be restored and healed. And the relationship between God and humanity will be repaired. And that's, that's really good news. And we all today and every day make the decision to either live in that reality or to reject it, right? We can either live knowing that that restoration is coming and participating in God's kingdom work here today, or we can reject it and try to find peace in our own things, in our own self, in our own accomplishments, to try to fix our own grief. And it just honestly leaves us empty in every way. This particular psalm, this man, Heman, was, was actually, he's like a worship leader for King David. He was a songwriter. He was a minister. And one thing you might think, I, I don't know what your perception is on, on ministers, but there, there might be a th- feeling of like, well, he's serving you, God. Shouldn't you help him out a little bit? I mean, shouldn't you make his life a little bit easier or shouldn't he deal with a little less pain? But we see in this text, we don't know exactly what this man is dealing with, but clearly it's a massive loss. I mean, even death is looming before him. He feels completely abandoned, completely alone, right? And so what is the reality here? What is it that this teaches us? I think right off the top, it teaches us that you can do good at life and still deal with grief. You can do really good at life and still deal with grief. That you can be obedient to God as a parent. You can be obedient to God as a coworker or at your job or, or even in the church. And you can serve and you can do all the things that God asks you to do and still deal with grief. How do we know this? Because Jesus did. Wasn't Jesus obedient to the Father? Did he not do everything the Father called him to do? And was he not also a man of sorrow? A man who was ridiculed and rejected and shamed, right? I mean, Jesus certainly, he, he, was, he was winning at life in terms of his obedience to the Father, and yet he dealt with so much loss. This man says this, he says, From my youth I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a season of grief where you've completely lost perspective, but grief has a way of doing that, doesn't it? Where we, we kind of forget God's blessings. And we can't really, we get tunnel vision in grief, don't we? I mean, all we can see is our pain and our suffering. What he's saying here from what we know about this man, it's just not completely true, right? 
I mean, his whole life has not been nothing but suffering and been close to death. I mean, there, there have been challenges and certainly some things that we probably don't know about this person. But he's basically saying, God, you have never been a blessing to me. And that's just not true. As much as it's not true for him, it's not true for you and I. God has been faithful to us in every way. And what's interesting about this psalm is, again, it's so honest. It is real life. And, and many of these psalms, do you know they were, they were sung in church, right? Can you imagine? This would totally reshape our worship time, right? Can you imagine? From my youth I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and I'm in despair. Your wrath has swept over me, right? Can you imagine? People are like, I'm never going back to that church. Ever, right? I'm going to have Mason write some new songs. It's going to be great. He says, darkness is my closest friend. What does that mean when you tell God, darkness is my closest friend? It means, God, you're not. You're not my closest friend right now. My darkness is. I'd rather be with my darkness than with you right now, God. Now, that's real, isn't it? That's something that's too real. That's too close to home. Some of you have been there where you're like, I would rather just wallow in my pain and my suffering than be with you right now. But here is the deal in this psalm. This is so key. Is that this man, he calls to God as he clings to his grief. He doesn't just cling to his grief and wallow in it. And he's, he's penning these words because he's speaking to the God who is his rescuer. The God who is his salvation. I mean, even in this grief, whatever this loss is, he continues to call out to God. And I just want that to be a challenge to you today. Wherever you're at with grief, whatever loss you've experienced, that you would start by calling out to God. Do you know he can handle your anger? Do you know that he's got big enough shoulders to deal with your frustration? I would never, like prescribe that you speak to God the way that this man does in this psalm. And yet at the same time, you need to be real with God. I mean, I'm never going to say, hey, yeah, go shake your fist at God, but that is real life. And I honestly believe this, that God would rather have us screaming at him and shaking our fists at him than all out ignoring him and acting like he's not there. I think God can handle it. And I actually think that we can make a, a biblical argument that even God might bless it as you're honest with him. So here's what we're going to do. I've got my Dr. Phil set up going on upstage here, and I want to invite the Meyer family up. Would you guys come up real quick? Would you give them a hand as they come on stage today? This is Chris and Jennifer coming up, you guys. We're going to have a bit of a conversation. I thought, you know, I could get up here and uh, talk about grief for a while, but um, what would be more powerful is for us to just have a talk and just talk about what it looks like to deal with grief, to, to walk through loss. And, and so um, I heard Chris and Jennifer's story, and uh, it, even as it continues to develop, and have just seen so much of God's faithfulness in your lives, and uh, yet just some big challenges that you guys have walked through. And so um, this, is, this is time number three for these guys that they're going through this whole journey talking about their story. And so um, it's just been, a, it's been an emotional morning, an emotional week. Uh, I've been praying for you guys all week long because I know one thing is true. When you open up about your story, there's like a spiritual attack that happens. Um, this whole journey that we go on of just dealing with insecurity and fear. And so um, I've just been praying for your marriage and praying for you guys this week. But um, just kind of tell us who you are. Tell us uh, how long you've been married. A few things about you guys. So, uh, um, 
I'm going to help you out, can I? Because I think it's really important that we hear what you have to say today. So, yeah. We good? Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Good. All right. So, uh, like Pastor said, I'm Chris, and this is my wife, Jennifer, and um, we've been married 14 years, and uh, we're a blended family. So, she has uh, two children, two boys, and I have uh, two boys and a girl, and um, we've been in Alaska about five years. We've been coming to ACF about about that amount of time as well, too, and... um, we moved up to Alaska. I was in the Air Force for 30 years, and then uh, when I retired, we moved back up here, and uh, we both work on base. So. Sure. My hand was not raised to move up here, but yeah, yeah. moved up here. You are not alone, I'm sure. <laughs> Some ladies in the room can relate to that. So you guys are like the rest of us, um, walking through life, going after your dreams, getting, you know, getting married and building families and... Um, you know, pursuing things with your job, and just kind of going after the things that, that most of us go after. And then, um, like many of us have experienced, there's a, a point where life sort of happens, uh, where something unexpected comes that forces us to stop and to deal with God and to deal with our souls and to deal with the reality of even the harshness of life. And so, um, Chris, why don't you just share with us um, when that happened, what that looked like for you? Yep. So, um, like I said, I was in the Air Force. And uh, in 2002, I was uh, on a one-year remote tour in um, Korea. I was about two months into the tour. And uh, I just came back from lunch and I uh, got a phone call that my son had been in a car accident. And um, so I was able to get a hold of the hospital and uh, I wanted to find out what his condition was, and, and the lady on the other end, she said, I really can't tell you, but you just need to, tr- you need to get home as quickly as possible. And uh, it's a long journey from Korea back to the East Coast of the United States, but um, they got me on a plane that night about 8 o'clock, and uh, um, when I got off the plane in Los Angeles, uh, there was two Air Force officers waiting at the door of the plane to tell me that my son had passed away in a car accident. He was 17. Hmm. And uh, so I had to work my way all the way back to the East Coast and um, he, uh, you know, just to get home and, and you know, kind of figure out what was going on. And uh, he basically, he was driving on a wet road and he hydroplaned and uh, went into some trees and uh, hit his head and, and uh, passed away about 10 hours later hmm. while I was flying home. So this is, this is every parent's worst nightmare. Um, and how did you how did you how do you receive news like that? How did how did you respond? I was just uh, knocked completely down. Uh, just was uh, wasn't able to um, process it. I had to spend ten hours on the west coast to catch a flight back to the east coast because of the flying reasons or something like that. And it was just uh, I just. Uh, I was having an extremely difficult time just functioning. I, you know, they were there. Their pastor was there with me, and they they were there with me. But uh, just to, it's just I couldn't process it. I was laying down, you know, not physically, but but I was just on the ground. Very difficult to process. Right. So for you, so this was a moment in time that obviously um, is still shaping you today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a massive, massive loss, and. So you, you worked through this. What year was this? 2002. 2002. So, um, so you've worked through this and, and, and continuing to work through this. And then you guys met. How did you guys meet, Jennifer? Um, we met in Georgia, uh, same location. Um, and 
we ended up getting married uh, three years later in 2005. Um, so we both had went through divorce after that, and um, that was kind of the beginning of where, you know, when you go through a divorce, um, you have to draw strength from something. Um, we can't do it alone. And I knew that if I tried to do it alone, uh, I was going to be a failure at it. Um, so uh, we ended up, um, 2005, we ended up getting married after both of us had been divorced, and we moved to Germany. And um, we were stationed there for two and a half years in Germany, and then we moved to Italy, and we were three years in Italy. And uh, my oldest son um, ended up going into the military, and um, we moved back to Montana, and he um, went through basic, um, got stationed at Lake and Heath Air Force Base, and um, this was 10 years after um, Jarrett had passed away. I was, um, I was out shopping for my um, youngest son's graduation because he was graduating um, that week and that next week, and um, we had spoke to my son in Lake and Heath on um, Skype, Jeremy. We had spoken to him on Skype with all of our family was there. And um, the next day, like I said, I went shopping, and Chris called me up, and he said, um, you know, could you come home? And I'm like, I'm shopping. I really need to get this done, you know. But um, I ended up finishing up in that store and not going to another one and coming home. And I saw my son's car um, kind of sideways in our parking lot and uh, our parking our driveway and came into the house and there were two two military guys in our home and at first I didn't you know I knew what they were there for but we had a son driving up who was in the military son-in-law and daughter driving up um, from Florida to the graduation so I didn't know, and then they said, Jennifer, we have some bad news. So um, Jeremy was, as you said, stationed in England. He was, um, he was, it was Memorial Day, and he was, uh, he was volunteering at the cemetery there, and he was on his way home on his motorcycle on the highway there midday, and uh, a tractor trailer went into his lane and hit him, and um, he passed away in 2012. He was 22. So God brings you two together, and you know you have no idea that there's more grief coming, right? Right. So Jennifer, you've watched Chris go through grief, and 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 you've been a support to him. And Chris, you've had years of God working in your heart and preparing you, um, really, mm -hmm. to then walk your family through another season of grief and. And, uh, and that wasn't really, that wasn't really the end for, for you. Even more recently, you've had a recent diagnosis, Jennifer. Yeah, about two and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer and they had told me possible stage four ovarian cancer as well. And we won't know because they targeted the chemo to both areas and, you know, all those lists that, um, Brian put up there. Um, probably 90% uh, we have went through, and the whole body image as well. You know, you have to get your head shaved off when hair is falling out. And yeah. um, But, you know, when I found out I had cancer, and you have death staring you in the face, and mm. you know that your husband lost a child, and I had lost a child. I needed to live. I needed
needed to live for them and fight my hardest battle for them. Yeah. And so and I you was, did. Yeah, I was getting yeah. pretty sick, and I said, you know what, God, you need. I can't control this. Yeah. I, I'm I'm out of control. I I can't control this. Please take control. Mm. And He did. And you've so far so good with cancer. Yes, I just yes. Um, this was my sixth month. Yeah. Yeah. Six month checkup, and everything came back good this week. Actually, praise God. That's yeah, awesome. Praise God. Thank you for praying for her and for this family, by the way. Yes. Um, because you guys, you uh, you stayed connected to people. Not everybody does that. When they deal with grief, the uh, the first impulse is to retract, right? Uh, grief is is by its nature isolating. There there's a there's a feeling of I don't know if anybody has felt the way that I feel right now, um, which causes us to feel very alone, and which also causes us to pull away from other people and feel more alone. And yet, I think you guys were still serving and involved here. And um, it, it really is. I mean, uh, you know, looking back, um, both situations, you know, with all three situations with losing the sons and, and, and the cancer, it was, you know, my first instinct was to withdraw. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, praise God, you know, there was people in my life and uh, things going on, you know, and, and I guess things that I've seen that really, um, uh, kept kept lifting my head up and 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 focusing on on um, God. You know, being a part of the church and being on the first impression team and uh, you know joining a, a life group and things here really helped. Because she was gone for a year battling cancer down in Lower Forty Eight, and just having you as a family, you know, to be here, um, couldn't I couldn't do it alone. I could have stayed in my house, and that would have been very bad, very bad for me, very bad for her, for my family. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I just God just gave me ways to be a part of things, mm. and and in many ways I brought friendships together. I, I mean, I'm, I remember seeing you guys praying for each other before service. You know, um, you're getting ready to serve, and you might not realize this, but anybody who serves here at church, like that, becomes kind of your family. You start yes. praying for each other, encouraging each other, checking on each other via text, and yes. and so it turns into a, a family, which is which is the hope. Um, in fact, can we just can we have the boys up there? Let's put their picture up here. Um, these guys will always be part of your life, and um, they've made an impact on you, and they're they're impacting us today. And so, this is the continuation of, I believe, God's healing restoration that He loves to do through difficult situations. Um, and you guys saw a lot of God's faithfulness in moments where you were like, "Man, God's grace is so tangible right now." What, what are some of those moments? Right. Jared, um, when he got in his accident, he was on his way. He was—he just came back from a youth conference, um, and he had his brother and sister with him. And uh, he dropped them off at home, and he was going to his friend's house. Um, to, they were going to plan to go down to Florida for another youth conference. And uh, when he passed away, um, I was in that dark place, like in Psalms 88. And, uh, you know, I was going through his room and, and looking at things, and I picked up a note that was on his nightstand and I opened it up it was crumpled kind of half folded up kind of funny and I opened it up and written kind of sideways on it you know he said mom and dad um, I love you thank you for being good examples of God and for being in my life and just a real short note and I realized you know that's when my head started getting picked up and I realized how deliberately he was living his life and how I wasn't I was just kind of going along floating wow. along and mm -hmm. just doing you know whatever 
life kind of put in my way and doing my job. And I realized then, you know, I started to realize then that um, I needed to be involved in my, mm. in my own life. Yeah. And like my son was, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, that's when you, we sp- spoke about this earlier. That was what Chris says was, was just God said, get involved with your own life. And I, I took that personally. Um, you know, there's a feeling of we just sort of get tossed by what life brings us. And so I think for, for all of us, what would it look like for you or for me not to, not to wait for something like that to get involved with the forward motion of my life, to get some traction and some things that maybe I've kind of put off for way too long? Um, Jennifer, what's, uh, what's God's grace look like in this situation for you? Um, just, just showing me uh, the lives that my son touched. And, you know, we had that Skype visit right before he passed away and while he was on the Skype visit you know, all the family were, were there in the house and um, he was preoccupied for a minute there and I said hey what are you doing and he had explained his whole weekend on, on what he had did he had an amazing weekend in England and it rains a lot there but it was a beautiful weekend went to the beach and he planked all over London and um, just telling us all the amazing things he did that weekend and he was preoccupied and I asked him what he was doing and he was ordering flowers for his girlfriend, um, his British girlfriend, who is still in our lives today. She's a beautiful soul. Um, But just seeing that, you know, he passed away, and that brought light to her the day after he passed away because those flowers were delivered to her. Hmm. And just, just crazy things, you know, kids at his memorial in England came up to me and just thanking me, which it's all God, um, you know, of having my son come to their dorm rooms and knock on the doors and just invite them out and go have a good time instead of sitting in their dorm rooms and um, bringing them into, they had a, a lunchtime Bible study and, you know, so so I knew, you know, where his heart was and, and we know, we both know, you know, where our mm-hmm. boys are today and that we're going to see him again. So that gives us hope. Right. And also, you know, just um, going through the cancer was witness to me that um, I do have purpose. Mm. Um, and, and he was there through it all. Mm. Uh, there was a meditation point where I was laying down and praying to God. And then you, when you're doing yoga, it's just kind of you're relaxing. <laughs> and, yeah. and Jeremy came to me and he said, Mom, just keep your eyes on the Lord. Mm. You're, you're going to make it through this. Yeah. Well, you guys are a testament to us of, of strength in ways that you probably can't even imagine. And so um, I just see so much of God's grace on your story. And, um, and, and that, that's really the hope today is that we could see that there can be restoration. And even, even beyond that, today is really a testament to how God uses really broken situations uh, that you guys would even be willing. I shot these guys a, a text and I was like, would you be willing to share their story completely understanding if they, they were to say, no, that's too personal, we don't want to do that, but they were on it immediately. They were like, absolutely. If we can use what God has brought us through to encourage anybody else, that is, uh, that, that, that is a blessing to us. And so would you thank them for sharing their story today? So as we talked, um, I, I had asked both of you guys, uh, in fact, I just asked, like, what were the questions that you asked God as you walked through that? Because uh, we all find ourselves in 
varying forms of similar situations of just loss in our lives. And we begin to ask God a lot of different questions. And the question that they both brought up is this question, is God punishing me? Has anybody ever asked that? Can we be honest in church? Anybody just raise your hands? Okay, so most people in the room have, have wondered and maybe even asked God, God, are you punishing me? What did, I, what did I do to deserve this type of a situation? And one thing you need to know about first century Jewish culture is for them, when something was, was wrong in your life, when you're going through pain and suffering, it meant that God was punishing you. And in fact, the question was always, what did you do to deserve this? What, and in fact, we're still, again, asking that question today. What did you do to cause this type of situation? In fact, Jesus was confronted with a moment like this as they passed by this blind man on the street. It says this in John 9, verse 2. It says, And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So, I mean, this, this is powerful to understand. Like, here's this man, he's blind. They're like, what did he do wrong? And Jesus says, he didn't do anything wrong. This is the world we live in. It's a dark and broken world. This man is blind. It's, a, it's, it's something that he's dealt with his whole life so that he could be an agent of grace to others, so that he could be someone who is actually showing the goodness of God to others. So that I might use this man and his broken situation to show you how good and glorious our Father is. And that's what that story is all about. So for you, I want you to look at whatever you're going through, whatever the grief is, and you need to ask yourself some questions. The first is, is this a consequence of something that I did, right? So uh, that's just to be honest and go, so if I am walking into a situation, maybe it's a, maybe it's a divorce or maybe I'm, 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 I'm in a DUI, got a DUI or something, was there a progression of decisions that I made that did contribute to this? That's just to be honest, right? Is this a consequence of, of something in my life, of my pride and my inability to get help when I needed it? That's an important question to ask, right? There are consequences of our sin. But what about punishment? Does God punish us? And I always go to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. It says, But he, being Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. So the punishment for our sin was placed on who? Jesus, right? Jesus received the punishment that we deserved for our rebellion. That's why it's so beautiful. What Jesus did for us is, is incredible. It's, it's mind-blowing what Christ did for us because he received the punishment. So what you need to know is this, is that God does not punish his children, but he does discipline them. This is why we need to be honest about our sins. As James says, confessing our sins to one another so that we might be healed, Right? Because there are consequences to those things. God will not punish us, but he will discipline us, and there is a very big difference, right? Any parent in the room knows the difference between when they were punishing a child or disciplining them. I've been there, right? I've been there where, where I've uh, spanked my son and walked away, and my hand is hurting, and my adrenaline is still running, and I realize that was done in anger. That was not done for his betterment. That was done out of my frustration. That was a punishment. 
And then there's been times where I've disciplined my children, hopefully more than just punishing them, where I've disciplined them to, to help restore them. You see the difference? You see, punishment is about condemnation. Discipline is about correction. Punishment is about being fair. Discipline is about doing what is most helpful to the person. Punishment is about making the situation right. Discipline is about helping the person get right. Do you see the difference? It's not about trying to, you know, if you take enough licks, then we'll be good, right? This is all about their betterment and fixing what's broken inside of them. Punishment flows from anger. Discipline flows from patience. There is a massive difference. God is love. He's just, he's love. At his core, he doesn't just love people. It's not something he does. It's something God is. And everything God does flows from his love for you. And so he only disciplines his children, but he will discipline you because you are his child. If you're a legitimate child of God, the word says that he will discipline you because he loves you. Just like any child that we saw running around without any discipline from their parents who would say, that's not loving them. And yet we know this, when we are in the middle of discipline from God, it sometimes just feels like punishment. We might shake our fist at God and go, God, why have you left me? But the Father is always doing all he does out of love. Psalm 145, verse 8 says, the Lord is gracious and merciful. This is, this is the God that we worship. He's gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. I want you to think about that this week. I want you to ruminate on that scripture this week, because we have to know the character of God when we don't understand the purposes of God. You have to come back to, who is this God? If you don't know who he is, you're going to misunderstand what he's doing. Understand the character of God. And then as you see that, as you know who he is, you'll begin to see that there is something going on around you through the good times and the bad times, right? There's something that God is working through those things. God loves to take what was meant for evil and turn it for good, right? And so if you know the character of God, you'll stop asking, why God? And you'll start asking, what God? Not, why did you do this, God? But what are you doing, God? You'll start having to figure out or cast blame. Who's responsible for this? The most important question is, what is God up to through your suffering? What is God up, through, up to through your grief? And I believe he wants you to know. I believe that if you go to him and if you, with a repentant heart, say, God, what part have I had to play in this? That God wants to show it to you, right? I mean, how terrible would it be if I were to spank my child and they would go, what was that for? And I was like, figure it out. But isn't that how some of us feel about God, right? We're going, God, why? And we're thinking it's a game. It's some kind of cosmic game where God wants us to, to just figure it out. God's like, well, here's a bunch of terrible things in your life, and I'm not going to tell you what it's for. Or what ha I'm just going to let you deal with the suffering and not try to grow you through it, right? We, we do. I mean, there's mystery in all of this, but God will work all of this in your life together for the good of those who love them. I believe that. I believe that. And so if that's true, then he wants to give you wisdom. If you ask for it, that he will give it in abundance. And you may not understand all of the reasons behind what happened, but God will show you what he's doing if you're willing to hear him. 
And this scripture always gives me peace. Psalm 35 says this, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. We cling to that, church. Amen? Joy comes in the morning. God does his best work in the wreckage of life. Know that. There is weeping and, and difficulty, but God does his best work in the, in the weeping sometimes. His best work in the struggle, because when I am not struggling, when I'm not dealing with some kind of issue in my life, I become very self-sustaining. I become very proud, and I start to think that I don't need God. And so God, in his loving kindness, is willing to restore and even discipline the children that he loves. And there may be weeping and loss, but there is restoration to come. That one day God will bring his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And we can hope for that and look forward to that. And know this in the end. If you're here today and you feel alone, it's funny. You can come to a church like this and still feel very alone, can't you? You can be surrounded by people and feel alone. Know this. You have never been abandoned by God. This is what we can know. And I'm going to close with this passage. This is Matthew 27, verse 45. Jesus is on the cross. I think this verse speaks specifically to this. And it says, now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know that Jesus is the only man who ever walked the face of the earth who was actually forsaken by God? He was the, he's the only person who's ever lived, who've actually, who's actually been abandoned by God. And in this moment, Jesus is feeling the separation of our sin. He's feeling the abandonment of our sin. And in that moment, the Father turns his face from the Son, right? And Jesus feels all of the abandonment that you and I were meant to feel. Jesus felt abandonment so we wouldn't have to. So we don't get to say, God, you've, for, you've forsaken me. We can say it, but, but don't believe it, Right? Don't believe it because Jesus is the one who took our abandonment. Jesus took our sin upon himself so that we wouldn't have to feel that abandonment. And so for you today, um, what if you would just believe this? What if you would just receive the love that God has for you and know that even in the darkest of moments, you may be shaking your fist at God, but he's with you in your frustration. He's with you when you're cursing at him. He's with you when you're angry at him. He has been with you the entire time. So what's your next step? I want you to pull out your card here today, your traction card. It's all play. Everybody in the room, pull this out real quick if you would. And uh, this is just our way of taking a next step. And again, this helps us as, as a team to serve you, to understand where our church is at, to know what our next steps needs to be as a community. But the first is this. Maybe today you just need to commit your life to follow Jesus. And you just need to take that first step to say, all right, God, I, I trust you. I trust you despite what I see. Maybe you need to get baptized. We believe that is the first act of obedience that we all should take, whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or for 50 years, that God calls us to go public with our faith. And so that's our first step of obedience. Maybe for you today, you've been putting that off for a while, and you need to make that decision on your own. And so we'd love to baptize you next month. The next one is this. Maybe your next step is to speak about your grief with a friend. Is there something in your life that you're just not talking about? Uh, as we walk into the dark season of Alaska, I want to plead with you. If you're dealing with depression, would you speak to somebody about that? I mean, would you open up with someone here, someone anywhere, about how you feel, about your mental health? Is this something we want to be open and honest about? So maybe for you, it's grief that you just haven't spoken about, or maybe you spoke about it years ago, but if you're honest, it's still 
hurting you. It hasn't been dealt with yet. You haven't given it to Jesus yet or let him restore that part of your life. Or maybe for you, you're here today and you're like, Brian, um, my life is kind of awesome right now. Thank you very much. Um, I'm doing well. And, and if that's you, that, that's great. I'm glad you are. Maybe you would commit to offer support to someone else who's grieving. Because we all know someone who's dealing with grief and loss. And your phone call or text today or whatever it is that you choose to do, just take a step, just be willing to do it, may change somebody's life. Or it might save one. So let's stand up together. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you have never left us. Thank you that um, these aren't empty words, but you took on the form of a servant and that you walked the long road to a cross, that your hands were pierced by nails and your brow pierced, pierced by a crown of thorns, God, and that you, Father, that you placed the sins of humanity on your son and that, Jesus, you received our sins upon yourself. And God, we thank you so much that you've never left us. I pray for one person in this room to uh, maybe be able to believe that today. It's one thing to say that, but to actually believe, Father, that you are present, that you are near, and even in all of the junk of life, that you love us. You are always loving and always good and always gracious and always compassionate. God, may we know your character when we don't understand your purposes. And God, as we worship in the next few minutes, God, could we, God, could we use this time well? Uh, we know that we're not guaranteed another moment. So could we worship you in the next few moments uh, just like it could be our last? God, I pray we'd live every day of our lives that way, loving those who are around us and loving you with all of our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.